You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. All right, we are um, in kind of a time of transition in our teaching time on Sunday morning coming out of the book of Romans. Um, We'll be starting a new book soon. I don't know exactly when that's going to be. It's always... A weird transition for me from spending so much time in a book and just really being heavily invested in uh, studying through a book and allowing God to teach me through that book. Uh, sometimes it seems not inappropriate, but just quick to jump right into another book. And so I've been spending time over the past couple of weeks on vacation, just digesting what God's taught me in the book of Romans. Uh, prayerfully seeking guidance from the Holy Spirit about where we need to go next as a church as far as which book to study, um, and still just don't feel a complete peace about what, where that's going to be or what that's going to look like yet. And so um, you can be in prayer for that, that God would, would guide us as a church into the book that he desires for us to study together and learn from and grow from. Um, my hope is that that'll be very soon. Uh, but in the meantime, I'm just allowing God to... Um, just challenge me as far as uh, our church, really kind of meditating on what we were learning in chapters 15 and 16 um, about the type of church that the church at Rome was, uh, the perspective that Paul had. And so I want to continue um, discussing the status of our church right now. So I told you that our school had gone through accreditation recently, and so I'm still kind of in accreditation mode and I told you that essentially accreditation is where people come in and assess how you're doing as a school. Are you accomplishing the things that you think you're accomplishing as a school? And so uh, for a couple of weeks, we kind of discussed that as a church. Are we uh, accomplishing what we want to as a church? How are we doing at accomplishing the things that we think we're accomplishing? And so a couple of weeks ago, I had you guys write down what we termed uh, powerful practices. That's things that we are doing really well as a church. I challenge you to write down some things that we're doing good at, but we could probably do better at, so we called those opportunities for improvement. And then we titled the third category, areas of required action, things that we're not doing well in and things that we need to start doing well in immediately, things that need to change quickly at Sovereign Hope uh, if we're going to be effective the way that we need to. So I kind of took all of those cards that I received back from you guys and consolidated them. There was a lot of repeat stuff, so you won't see um, the repeat items. So I kind of consolidated them down into a list of powerful practices, uh, opportunities for improvement, required actions uh, for our church. So I want to pass those out to you first this morning. I'm going to get Jesse and Will to pass these out, different lists. So perception can be different based on your experience here at Sovereign Hope. So some things people may label as a powerful practice. Others may say, that's a required action. Like that needs to, we're not doing it well at all. Others would say we're doing it very well. So it's not really a right or wrong. This is just to give you what is reality here at Sovereign Hope, the perception of people at our church, which is in essence their reality. Uh, for how our church is doing um, at many things that we're striving to do. Um, And I got some insight from the elders as well, but I didn't categorize it because I wanted it to uh, not really single anybody out. I wanted it to be uh, just as a church. This is what our perception is about how we're doing. So 
from a powerful practice standpoint, um, the pregnancy center was mentioned, and I would I would wholeheartedly agree. I think that um, that that's that's an area that we are uh, invested in. I think we can do better at it. I think that we can be more involved in it. But based on what I know about other churches in the area, there's a lot of churches that aren't doing anything in regards to the pregnancy center. Their their focus is somewhere different, and so uh, I'm very excited and pleased and. Uh, thrilled at how our church has really embraced uh, the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Noonan as a mission focus for us. Uh, We are promoting life. We are striving for life. We're encouraging those that work every day to counsel women to choose life. And so um, I think it's absolutely necessary, and and I'm thrilled that our church is as, as involved as we are, and I hope we can continue to be more involved in that area. Uh, serving in the Sonoy events, um, our church has really embraced the opportunity to uh, invest in what's going on here in this community, sacrificing money to faithfully give to missions and organizations. Um, you guys give above and beyond what I would ever expect a church this size to be able to give. And so that's a testimony to what the Holy Spirit's doing in you. It allows us the opportunity to give to others um, abundantly. Striving for accountability, teaching faithfully to the text, gaining knowledge, training in the word, corporate worship and teaching, um, outreach opportunities, nursery, C groups, making time to be unified, love towards each other, welcoming environment, unity, member care. Uh, I think the member care at our church is, is a unique aspect to what we're able to offer. Um, the way we've structured our budget is it gives us an account that we can pull from as people are in need. Um, and, and when people aren't in need, it allows us to simply bless people because we can, because the money's there. So uh, we haven't had a whole lot of trying circumstances this year in our family here at the church. And so um, when our missionaries, Spencer and Amy, are in the process of adoption and have a fee coming up that they need to have paid, we're able to pull from that account. So I posted on the city, we were able to give because you have given to them to help with their adoption process. And so we'll see the return on that investment, right? We'll we'll see a child brought from another country to that family. And I can't imagine, um, I mean, what what an amazing story to go from whatever situation that kid's going to come from to then grow up at Snowbird with with that family in the midst of that ministry and and the things that that kid will be exposed to. Just a, a really cool thing to be able to participate in from here in Sonoy uh, in the life of somebody that'll be living in Andrews, North Carolina one day. Um, this morning, even though Todd and Amanda aren't members of our church, they were very close to being members. It was just a matter of semantics before they would have been officially introduced as members. God moves them back home, and so we were able to bless them this morning monetarily to help with that transition time between jobs for Todd, and that's because you've given. That's that's not money that, that we've raised or earned or anything. That's just simply you guys sacrificing. I think that is a powerful practice here at Sovereign Hope. Um, Sacrificial leadership, flexibility to change. I love the fact that our church is not so ingrained in anything that we can't change it to make it better. And so we've seen change ever since we started our church. There's things that we have uh, altered. There's things that we have adjusted. And I love the flexibility that we have here to do that. When when our circumstances or our environment changes, if, if something that was working is no longer working, we're very flexible in making it better. 
some required actions, things that uh, many of you would say, we need to start doing this better immediately, investing in the community, more mission opportunities in the community, more communication with members about ways to serve in the church, uh, following up with visitors, talking to them on Sunday mornings. We've got visitors here today, so hopefully we can be better than maybe we have been at the past at that. Um, accountability to being in the Word, midweek check-ins, prayer amongst members, uh, finding a mission that we all believe in and are excited about, less clicks amongst the females, more initiative in serving, uh, more structured accountability, attitude towards the nursery. Um, I think it, that was in reference to people serving in the nursery. Um, more commitment to family, becoming a priority towards each other, uh, making time for each other, people not in the word getting in the word, uh, experiencing real growth with new members. And by real growth, we mean people that aren't just transferring from other churches, but people that are coming to know Christ because of our efforts as a church and them joining our church. Um, outreach mindset by everyone in our church. And then some opportunities for improvement, deeper accountability groups, spending time during the week with each other, discipleship within the church, sharing gospel in our neighborhoods, uh, evangelism-tied events, more fellowship through church-wide activities, unity, group prayer, uh, Sunday morning organization, more children coming to Sovereign Hope, uh, church meals together, one-on-one -on -one discipleship, volunteers for service. So that gives you kind of an overview of things that we're doing as a church, and then things that we're doing well, things that we're not doing as well, and things that we really need to fix quickly. Um, so I want you to kind of take that for what it's worth, but what I want us to do this morning is I'm going to give you just a little bit of time. We're going to break up into some discussion groups, and I want you as a group, and I want the group to be no bigger than five, but I want you to pull in visitors just so they can um, hear your discussion. So I don't expect visitors to contribute to this discussion based on what we are discussing, but I want them to hear your discussion. And so include them, make them feel welcome. Um, it's always uh, maybe difficult when we do this on a Sunday morning because uh, maybe they don't know that many people. So make them feel welcome very quickly. I'm going to have you break up into groups, and I want you guys to brainstorm a little bit about what Sovereign Hope looks like in five years, okay? Part of the accreditation process is we have to set goals for our school, where we want to be in five years, where we want to be in 10 years. What do we want to be true about our school uh, over that course of time so that as administration we can work towards that? And so I want to take that perspective and adopt it for our church right now. Where do we want to be as a church in five years? Um, in case you're not keeping count, we are starting year five of Sovereign Hope. Um, we've already been doing this for almost five years. That, that counts the year of just meeting as a church family while we were still, a lot of us, at Mount Gilead. So we launched officially four years ago in September, but technically this is our fifth year of being invested in this church. And this is where we are. Where do we want to be in the next five years? Um, and I want you to be as specific as you can, so not just, we want to be more unified, we want to love each other more. I, I, want, I want tangible things that we could look at in five years and say, we met that goal, we met that goal, we met that goal, okay? I want to get insight from you, and then I'm going to share with you what God's kind of been teaching me and challenging me with in this area as well. All right, as you're making your way back, if you will turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Proverbs chapter 9. Uh, somebody on Facebook 
um, posted this passage with a comment, and it kind of led me to reading it and just reflecting on it, and it kind of tied in um, a little bit with where I wanted to go this morning. So in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7, And he who corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will still and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. Okay? And then if you flip over a couple pages to Proverbs 15. Verse 31, the ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. Whoever ignores instruction despises himself, but he who listens to reproof gains intelligence. The fear of the Lord is instruction and wisdom, and humility comes before honor. I'm going to give me kind of a, a quick summary of what those two, because they're very similar, what those two passages mean. And I know you can do this because I had Juju and Connor do it in discipleship class this morning, and they did an outstanding job of summarizing this in the Juju-Connor language. So I know you guys can do this if they can do it. So somebody give me a quick summary. What, what's the main idea going on in those two uh, passages in Proverbs? And if you're not wise, how do you take it? You get angry and defensive and offended by it. Okay, so both of these passages are highlighting a main truth that um, criticism, uh, rightful criticism, is a, is a good thing, but there's two different ways of receiving it. You can receive it like a wise man and make adjustments and make changes, uh, so you receive it, you, you may not like to hear it, but you still receive it well and you do something with it. The other perspective is to reject it, to get angry about it, to get offended by it, and to be defensive over it. Um, and I think that ties in very well with, with what we're talking about as the status of our church. Because I want you, in, in, in seeing this list, don't just read it as, okay, this is what sovereign hope is. Read it as we are sovereign hope. You make up a portion of sovereign hope. And so I want the criticism, which a lot of times carries a negative connotation, but criticism, this is, this is constructive criticism, what we're talking about here. I want the criticism to ring true for you personally, because while we're all part of the good aspects of sovereign hope, we all fit in somewhere in these negative aspects of sovereign hope areas that we need to be improving upon, areas that need to change immediately. So I want the criticism to not just be something that the elders read and say, oh, wow, like we've got to make changes to our church. We've got to get better. I want the criticism to ring true for you too because you are sovereign hope, okay? You make up this church. And so where we're deficient directly applies to you in some way. You contribute to the deficiency. Now, you can hear these criticisms, you can read these criticisms through that lens and either be offended by it or respond to it in wisdom and say, okay, what, what, can, I do to, what can I do to change where I'm contributing to the deficiency in some of these areas, okay? Um, so I want that to kind of springboard us into 
discussing where we're at as a church and where we need to go as a church. Realizing that in the midst of that, there's going to be some criticism potentially. And it's all about how we respond to that criticism. Some of the, I was actually reading a book that talked about these passages. And like I said, I read a quote on Facebook. Um, The guy on Facebook said, The trouble with most of us is that we would rather be ruined by praise than saved by criticism. And it really just kind of stood out to me. That, that's, that's so true for us. We would rather be praised by individuals, and a lot of times that can ruin us, rather than seeing criticism as a means of salvation a lot of times. That, that people that are rightfully critical of us can save us from making mistakes, can save us from uh, areas that we're maybe blinded to. In the book that I was looking at, it says, quite often the reason people do not rebuke us is that they are afraid of our response. Now think about that for a second. Quite often the reason people do not rebuke us is that they are afraid of our response. They love us and want to help us when they see things amiss in our life, but they are constrained to keep quiet because they suspect that we are scorners rather than wise men. Think about that personally. Like, How often do people bring constructive criticism to you about your life? Maybe not often. And the author said, when is the last time someone pointed out something that was wrong in your life? If not in a while, it isn't because your life is above reproach. The, the lack of criticism in your life isn't due to the fact that you're doing everything so well. It may be attributed to the fact that people say, you're not going to respond in a wise way to my criticism, to me approaching this in your life. We've all probably been a part of conversations where you sat around with two or three individuals and you've talked about an issue that maybe needs to be addressed in somebody else's life, but you're all fearful about going and doing it because you're not sure how they're going to respond to it. And these Proverbs this morning offer such encouragement. It's If you're a wise individual, you welcome criticism. You receive it like a wise man who says, there's a lot more wisdom that I need. But oftentimes we probably portray ourselves as people who would not receive it that way. And so people hesitate or people stay quiet when they maybe have wisdom to offer us because they fear that we're more of the scoffer, the one who'll be defensive and offended and and reject that constructive criticism potentially. I had the privilege of meeting with um, one of the families that came and visited from Four Corners a couple of weeks ago. Right before vacation, they asked if they could sit down and, and just learn more about our church. And so we scheduled a time. I went over there uh, on a Saturday morning um, and, and got to hang out with them. And it's always kind of a, a nervous situation because I'm afraid of getting asked questions about our church that I don't really have a good answer for or it's a really bad answer because we haven't figured out that area of our church maybe yet. And so I went into that setting situation praying that God would give me quick answers, rightful answers, um, and honest answers uh, about where our church is and what's going on with our church. And one of the questions that he asked me that was, it was a great question, and, and it really got me thinking. Um, he asked me where, where I saw our church in five years and where I saw our church in 10 years. Um, and so it, it led me to immediately at that time start thinking and start talking and, and just kind of working out and fleshing out uh, some of the desires that I have 
uh, for our church. And a lot of it stems from Romans 15. So I want us to turn back to Romans 15 real quick. And then I'm going to give you an opportunity to share some of your thoughts on this. Romans chapter 15. Verse 14. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, Paul says, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder, because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed, by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see. And those who have never heard will understand. When we were talking about Romans 15, we talked about how he highlights the maturity of that church. They, they had uh, matured in their knowledge. They were discipling each other. They were instructing one another. Then we also talked about the missionary mindset of Paul, that he was motivated to go places that did not know about Christ yet, that did not have active uh, evangelistic efforts going on. And so we talked a little bit in Romans 15 about where our church was at from a maturity standpoint, where is our focus and vision missionally moving forward. So those ideas are going to tie into the vision casting for Sovereign Hope uh, that, that I've been meditating on recently about where I want us to be in five years. But before I get into uh, my thought process on this, I want to hear from you guys. What are some of the goals that you kind of uh, discussed in your group, uh, in, in thinking about Sovereign Hope five years from now, what does that potentially look like? Any thoughts on that? Okay, so growing as a church from, from the standpoint of new converts, not just people transferring from other churches uh, into our church family. And we discussed in Romans 16, we're going to obviously have both, and, and Paul talks about both. He says, welcome Phoebe, who's relocating to Rome. Receive her in your church family. And so we, we rejoice over individuals that move to this area that find our church. We rejoice over those that have maybe gotten out of church that come to our church, or those that, uh, for whatever reason, their church family, there's issues there that cause them to come to this church. Um, but we want to definitely see more growth happening from the new convert standpoint than we currently see right now. Other, other goals and perspectives about Sovereign Hope in five years? Uh -huh. yeah. um, I think we do 
well for smaller kids, younger kids, nursery age. I think it's very well organized, but I'd like to see, um, you know, that they have something to look forward to that's not so focused on little kids. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah, so being able to broaden our approach and how we're reaching uh, our younger members of Sovereign Hope, and we actually discussed that on that Saturday morning. They asked because, you know, they've got kids and they wanted to know, you know, we're looking for a place where our kids can be taken care of. And, and I told them, I said, um, the more kids come, the more we can be structured in that area. And so um, we're not going to have something that attracts people right now, but if we can get people to buy into what we're doing here at Sovereign Hope that brings that age group with us, then we're able to become far more structured and intentional with it. And so that's an area that we, we pray for right now. I think we pray for God to bring families, both new converted families and veteran Christian families to our church for the enhancement of our kids. Our kids need that interaction. Our kids need to grow up in a church setting where they're interacting with other kids their age and, and not just one or two uh, because personality differences are going to present challenges, um, especially kids that are used to coming from bigger churches. And so we want to pray that God would provide, a, in his timing and his will, uh, an increased amount of, of kids to our church so that our current kids can thrive off those relationships. Other goals that you, you, you see and forecast for Sovereign Hope in five years, potentially. Yeah, so Will saying that um, we want to be intentional about seeing our church grow from a new convert standpoint because individuals are becoming more missional in their approach to their life and not just relying strictly on sovereign hope, evangelistic events, but then also specifically targeting um, the Couch Street government housing area as, a, as an area that we are invested in reaching from a ministry standpoint. Anybody else that your group came up with something that would contribute to this discussion in a different
the more intentional discipleship focus, older, younger, um, taking place within our church. Do you have another one? Um, and just to piggyback off of that, C groups this Wednesday night, that's our discussion is where do we go next from a foreign perspective? How does our church rally around some type of unifying mission, missionary organization? What are we going to embrace beyond what we're doing with Chris in Uganda that we can all get excited about and start investing in both from a trip standpoint, from a financial standpoint, from a prayer standpoint, we want to expand our, um, our investment uh, globally beyond just what we're doing with Snowbird people and with Chris. So come ready on Wednesday night to discuss the the foreign uh, focus future for foreign focus future. The three F's for our C group um, on Wednesday night. Anybody else? All right, I'm going to share with you um, what what came to mind. I came up with five for. Uh, five years. I didn't even think ten years down the road um, because that just seems so far away, and I'd rather reach goals quicker than than thinking ten years down the road. So we're going to strictly think of five years. Uh, I'm going to confess to you that when when uh, when he asked me the question and I began to talk and share, I got done sharing with him and kind of smiled at him, and he was like, "Man, that sounds incredible." And in my mind, I was thinking, "That's not happening in five years." The, the way we are currently doing things, it's not happening in five years. It's just not. And that's where the proverb stuff comes in. We've got to make changes if we're going to accomplish these goals. These are, these, these, this is what should be our goal for five years. Like, I don't think these are completely unattainable goals. If our goals are less than this, I don't know what we're doing, honestly. Like, I don't know how we could say that this could not be done in five years we're just wasting our time and, and, and pilling our thumbs if we're not anticipating that this could happen. But what I am saying is, based on the first five years, or the first four years of what we've done, we won't get there in five years unless we get more serious about reaching these goals. Um, so, first goal. To be running 150 people each Sunday morning 
due to new believers being won to Christ by our church's efforts. Now, this is probably the first time I've really thrown a number out in regards to attendance. We don't, we don't stress attendance here. We've never worried about our numbers. We've never worried about how many people are coming to Sovereign Hope. Most churches that worry about this or talk about this or even brag about this, it's motivated from a financial standpoint. And one of the things that I shared with the family that I met with is I love Sovereign Hope because we are not ever concerned about the finances here. We've structured our obligated bills, so the things that have to be paid. As elders, we kind of know what we give to this church, and we know that through church leadership, if every one of you walked out the door and only leadership stayed, we could keep paying the bills. And that's such a freeing uh, mindset because we don't have to worry about people coming to pay bills. We know the bills are covered. So this isn't a number based on, hey, we need 150 people because that'll increase our giving and we can start building buildings and we can look good in the community and we can be a, a church plant that's working. Anybody that ever asked me, uh, hey, how's your church going? Hey, it's going good. How many people are you running? Because that is a status symbol in our society, unfortunately. Your church is successful if it has a lot of people. I'm going to I'm going to explain to you why this is the number that I want in five years. And it has nothing to do with finances. It has nothing to do with buildings. It has nothing to do with, with status symbol in our community. Okay? 150 people is my desire five years from now. They're added because of new converts primarily, but recognizing that we're also going to add people that move here that come from other churches. But my desire, my vision, my hope is that in five years we're busting at the seams in this building. 150 people. Second goal. Is that we have five elders and five deacons serving here at our church. Five elders and five deacons in place that are shepherding the church biblically and leading the church in service faithfully. Now currently, we have three elders and I'm going to go ahead and say that we have two deacons because I'm anticipating Chris obviously leaving within the year to move to Uganda, which means he would then step down as a deacon here at Sovereign Hope. So we're going into this goal process with three elders and two deacons. So it means adding two elders and three deacons to what we currently have in our church leadership structure. Um, that's doable, but we're not setting the course right now to achieve that. Um, it requires elders raising up more elders. It requires individuals in our church stepping up to the plate and not just becoming deacon qualified from a character standpoint, but showing deacon qualification by their level and effort of service within our church. That it moves beyond just the uh, status quo church member, but really begins to distance themselves from others because of how invested from a service standpoint they, they are here at our church. My desire is in five years that we have five elders and five deacons, um, and the deacons being made up of both men and women that are serving faithfully in our church and taking the, the role of uh, leading servant from the deacon standpoint within our church. All right? Um, number three, and then after number three, we're going to get into the 150 people and why that's important. Number three, to have started an active local ministry or mission that is serving the less fortunate in our area.
to have started an active local ministry or mission that is serving the less fortunate in our area. I love what we're doing with the Crisis Pregnancy Center. I met on Wednesday night with a couple from a church here in Sonoy that has just recently started a ministry where they are in contact with people that are in need and they are basically providing uh, material-type things that these families need. So washers, dryers, microwaves, uh, things like that that these families come in need of. A specific area that they're working with is the Welcoming House in Noonan. The Welcoming House in Noonan is a ministry that services women and children that flee abusive situations from the husband or dad. They come and find refuge in this Welcoming House until they're able to get on their feet, find a place to live on their own, get a job, and then they transition out. But a lot of times they transition out with nothing. And so this new ministry here in Sonoy is helping to provide beds and dryers and washers and refrigerators and that type of stuff for these women and kids that are now being put into a living situation where they've previously had nothing. That's just one element of what they're doing. Um, a lot of us are aware of the Backpack Buddy ministry that was started by um, April Anderson at Vineyard Church. They uh, package uh, food for um, kids in the, the local school area that are um, on a system where the government's paying for their lunches and stuff, which means that they don't have financial provision to be bringing their lunch to school or they don't have the money to pay for their lunch at school. The anticipation is they may not be getting the nutrition they need at home, and so food goes home with these kids so that they have stuff to eat at home if they come from a situation where mom and dad aren't really taking care of them. That was started right here in Sonoy. Now, these are ministries that we are helping out with a little bit. I'd love to see our involvement increase, but five years from now, we've got too much talent and giftedness and uh, equipping from the Holy Spirit to not have embraced something ourselves that we've started that's not replicating what's being done. So it's not, hey, we start our own version of Backpack Buddies or anything like that, but it's us saying, okay, they've got this taken care of, they've got this taken care of. What can we do as a church that's not being done and pull some of these churches in to help us? We help them with their ministries, they help us with ours. We talked about Paul collaborating with other churches. I want to go somewhere where Christ has never been heard of. I want to use you, church at Rome, as my base of operations to get me to Spain. In five years, my hope is that we've started something. Right here at this church, the elders didn't start it. You started it. Now, we've got to move beyond this perception of, well, I don't know how to do that, so I'm not going to do it. Okay? Because we've attempted this. We attempted to try to get something going with the Anchor Down ministry where we would move people in and, and it never got going. It's because I don't have time to get it going. And the individuals that I've talked to about getting it going, it's always fallen through the cracks because it's, I don't know how to do it, so I'm not going to do it. Let me tell you something. Most of what I do in life, I start off not having a clue how to do it. I don't have a clue how to do it. When, when Ted Moody stepped down at Mount Gilead, I had no idea how to lead a church. I had no idea how to step in and take over. I was just the youth pastor. But I remember John Duncan sitting down and asking me and telling me, you've got to take more of a lead in this. You're going to have to start speaking on Sunday mornings. You're going to have to take the lead in getting this transition team to the point of being elders. I could have looked at John Duncan and said, I don't know how to do that. You're going to have to find somebody. You're going to have to hire somebody to come in that knows how to do that. When our principal didn't show up last year and they asked me to be the principal, 
I didn't know how to be a, I still don't know how to be a principal, right? Like I'm in charge of finding writing curriculum for our English department in the middle school. I don't know anything about writing curriculum. But the reason I was put in the position of being the principal, it's not because I have all this educational background that says I'm qualified, but I think I've proven myself at Trinity that I'm the type of guy that I may not know how to do it, but I'm going to figure out how to do it if you ask me to do it. And we've got to get to that point as as a mindset here within our church. Nobody in here knows how to get a, a, a moving ministry started, okay? None of us have ever done that before. So we just need to admit that nobody knows how to do this probably. We're just going to have to find some people that are willing to say, I'll figure out how to do it. Because it can't all be done by the church leadership. It just can't. Because we'll end up being deficient in these areas continually. So it's a matter of moving beyond the I don't know how to do it to, hey, I'll figure out how to do it. I'll figure out how to do it. Somebody needs to figure out how to do it. I'll figure it out beyond just, oh, I know how to do that. Okay? Fourth, to be strategizing a plan and new location in this area to plant a second Sovereign Hope Church campus. We'll call it Sov Hope 2.0. This is where the 150 people come in. It's always been in my mind that when we get close to 150 people, we're planting another church. That we're not getting bigger than 150. That the goal has never been to grow some giant church in this area. There's, there's enough of those. Um, Todd and Amanda told me we're probably not going back to our home church when we get home because it's a big church and what we found being on the road is that we love the small church setting. So there's enough big churches in this area. We don't need another big church. But what we do need are growing, thriving small churches because there's a lot of small churches in this area too, but they're not really growing and thriving. They've just kind of settled in. This is who we are. What we, what we need is the small church setting that's growing but not losing the small church setting. And I don't know of any church in this area like that. There's some that start other campuses and they have the same pastor. What I would love to see in five years is that we've reached 150 and we're trying to go back down to about 75 because we're sending 75 of you guys to go plant the church somewhere else, whether it's Noonan, Peachtree City, Fayetteville, Wherever the bulk of our people are coming from, we say, hey, let's save you the the gas money. We'll just start meeting in your city. That's why we need five elders and five deacons, because some of these guys would be going too, because we need somebody to pastor that church and establish that church. These aren't numbers for status symbol in our community. They're usable numbers to go do what we need to do in number four. And then number five, to have begun the initial stages of planning a church overseas by sending six to eight people from our church to live and invest in a new area for Christ. So when we get to 150 people, we're not staying at 150 for very long because we're sending about half of us to go plant somewhere else. And then we're sending another six to eight to go overseas. Which means we'll drop back down to three elders real quick. That's my hope for five years. But I hope you look at that and you echo what I say, because it helps if we're all on the same page. If you look at that and say, 
that ain't happening in five years. Like, there's not a chance that that's happening in five years the way that we are right now. Because I don't believe it will happen in five years. Unless we make some changes, unless we get serious about trying to achieve these goals. Now, obviously, we have to have the Holy Spirit working, that the God has to be in this. So it's not just, hey, if we, if we try to do this, if we really strive hard enough, we can accomplish this. But hopefully we can all say, why would the Holy Spirit not be in on this? Because we're talking about conversions. We know that's God's will. We're talking about church planting. We know that's God's will. We're talking about people serving within the church. We know that's God's will. We're talking about outreach and ministry. We know that's God's will. So we're not, we're not, throwing, we're not saying we want a new building in five years, right? Because that could be debatable as to whether that's God's will or not. These are, these are goals that are evident in Scripture. These are goals that Paul, Paul got excited about when he wrote letters to these other churches. So we don't have to, I don't think we really have to debate, well, is that God's will necessarily? Now, he may have other plans that maybe don't look exactly like this, but I don't think we have to question, are these goals that we should strive for based on God's will? Because these all echo God's heart. Now, the specifics may not be there when we get into it, but I think we can be very confident that, that, that God would, um, would be excited about us as his people striving for this. But like I said, this doesn't happen in five years unless we, like the wise men in Proverbs, respond to criticism that we're not there right now. We're deficient in some of these areas. And we start making progress and striving for this. In closing, I'm going to give you five questions for you to answer as a church. We'll walk through these real quick because these are things that we've, we've discussed in more detail recently. For this to happen in five years, two things. The word must become our priority and people must become our passion. The word must become our priority and people must become our passion. We've talked about the word. Paul highlights the fact that this church in Rome was conforming to Christ. They were saturated with the word. They were yielding to reminders. He also talks about them instructing others. The church at Rome, they were all about the word and they were all about people. Their time in the word increased their passion for other people. So it wasn't just let me go and sit in my box and, and increase my knowledge and, and read commentaries and become a student of the word. It led them to love people because it says they were instructing others. They weren't just content to know they had to pass it on. And so for us to get here in five years, we have to be passionate about the word and passionate about people. It has to be a priority. So five questions for you to ask yourself. Number one, will I commit to growing personally? Will I commit to growing personally so that I'm part of the mature that can make this happen? Right? I don't expect 150 people to be mature Christians that are all doing exactly what they should be to make this happen. But there's going to have to be a large group of us that's considered mature believers that have embraced this mission and are striving to make it happen. Will you commit to growing personally so that you're part of the mature that make this happen? What does that mean specifically? Will you define being, this isn't the second question, this is kind of underneath this. Will you define being in the word for you and commit to being in the word? We've, we've been talking about this for, it seems like, several years now. What does it look like for you to be in the Word? What does it look like for you to spend time in the Word? And are you committed to that? 
Are you a student of the word? Are you invested in growing your relationship personally? Number two, will I commit to growing others to help speed up the process? Will I commit to growing others to help speed up this process of raising up mature kingdom workers? Right? Like we need more people than what we've got currently if we're going to pull this off in five years. So we need more mature people raised up, which means the mature in our church now that would be classified as the mature have got to be invested in raising up more mature workers. Will you commit to growing others to help speed up the process? And that's not just relegated to the mature growing the younger. There's always somebody less mature than you in this church probably, which means you've got a role to play in growing somebody else up. It's just about you teaching somebody what you already know. That's what the church at Rome was doing. That means you committing to making accountability a necessary component of your schedule, carving that time out in your schedule for accountability. Not just for you, but for those that are in your accountability group to help grow them spiritually. Investing in others as opportunities arise and teaching them what you already know. Number three, will I commit to serving faithfully in specific areas of our church now? Will I commit to serving faithfully in specific areas of the church now? to get us moving towards our bigger goals? Will I commit to serving faithfully in specific areas of the church now to get us moving towards our bigger goals? That means you responding quickly and following through with opportunities right now and doing it without having to be prompted to do it. Not having to always be reminded to do things, but saying, hey, I'll take care of that, I'll do that. We gotta get beyond where we're at right now trying to get people to serve in the nursery, trying to get people to serve with the right attitude in the nursery, getting people to show up for the nursery. We're not, we're not planting churches overseas until we move beyond, I don't like serving in the nursery sometimes. Like, like, like that, that has to be so far on the back burner of where we've moved beyond that if we're ever going to think about sending people overseas to plant a church where the living environment and every other thing is going to be far worse than serving in the nursery every five weeks or so, right? Like, like it's, a, it's a totally different perspective if we're going to get here in five years. Committing to serve what we've got right now so that we can get this stuff behind us and just, and just have it rolling without us having to think about this stuff anymore. Not having to worry if people are going to show up at Memorial Day to serve. Of course people are going to show up at Memorial Day to serve. That's easy. It's the new mission that we've just started that we've really been having to worry about right now. Number four, will I commit to doing my part to cultivate a welcoming? Will I commit to doing my part to cultivate a welcoming and capturing environment for people that experience our church? Will I commit to doing my part to cultivate a welcoming and capturing environment. What do I mean by that? I mean, one, that when people visit our church or visit events that our church is doing, that they feel overly welcomed by our church, that it's not awkward for them, they don't feel left out, they don't feel like people didn't talk to me, that it's, it's obvious that we embrace new people that come to our church. But that we also are so invested that we, want, we, we leave it to where they want to come back. 
There's a capturing aspect. We don't just welcome them. We capture them. We want them here, and they want to be here. That they see what's going on. They see the love and the community that's being experienced here at Sovereign Hope. People that are looking for churches, they say, I found it. I found what I'm looking for. I want the small church environment that's heavy on doctrine, that's focused on mission. This is it. This is is where I want to be. I'm welcomed here, and, and I can't even think about going somewhere else kind of thing. Will you commit to being part of that? There's two components to that. That's being present when our church, with our church family as much as possible. That's structuring your schedule to where you're with us as much as possible because uh, it, it hurts when people visit our church and they don't see what our church really is. If we've got six, seven, eight, ten people gone, that, that affects their perspective. Will we be taken care of here? Because I don't see a lot of people here kind of thing. Doing your part to be here as a church family. Doing my part to embrace those that are new to our church family. And number five, will I commit to planning and strategizing my long-term plans to fit in with these plans? Will I commit to planning and strategizing my long-term plans to fit in with these church plans? That means basing your job decision, your living decisions, on what best serves this plan. Now, some of us, we're, some of you are, 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 are uh, you're anchored where you are. You know, you're like, you know where you're going to live. You know what your job is. But we've got a lot of people, a lot of newlyweds, a lot of those that are, that are single, that are kind of figuring out, where am I going to live? What am I going to do long term? We need people that are committed to saying, okay, I'm going to base my living decision and my job decision on what best serves this plan. This is the church that I'm a part of. This is the church that I'm a member of. How do my plans fit in with these plans long term? Where are you going to be in five years? How does that fit in and where we want you to be in five years? You part of this church? You part of the new church? You part of the church going overseas? Because my hope is that there's real six or eight people that come out of this church that want to go live overseas and plant a church. There's 75 people that I want to say, that I want them to say, hey, I'm not going to come here to Sonoy anymore. We're going to, we're going to go to a church in, in Noonan that's led by one of our elders. And we're going to start a new work so that we can grow to 150 people and go plant another church overseas. That's a lot to accomplish in five years. But as I said before, I mean, if we're not trying to accomplish that in five years, what are we trying to accomplish? Because by the time this happens, it'll have been 10 years since we started. And if we haven't gotten to 150 people in 10 years, we're we're not doing something right, I think. We're We're not missionaries that went to a foreign culture like some of those that we've read in history class about that it took 10 years to see their first convert, right? Like we live in the Bible belt where people go to church. So even if it meant we never saw a new convert, but at least 150 people came from other people's churches. If we can't get to 150 people in 10 years, I don't know what we're doing. I I just really don't know what we're doing. And we would probably need to have a a come to Jesus meeting in five years if, if we're still what we are right now. I know these are big goals. But I wanted us to kind of refocus this morning based off coming out of Romans, seeing what that Romans church was, seeing what Paul had planned to do from a missional standpoint for him personally, and trying to take both components and say, okay, as a church, how do we get to where we need to be maturity-wise? 
And then how do we start getting active in doing something missionally, both here and overseas? So it doesn't have to be that if you come to Sovereign Hope, you have to be committed to going overseas for the rest of your life. We just need six or eight of you to feel that way. The rest of you can stay here. We just need you to not be too comfortable in this building because you may be sent to a different building where we can replicate ourselves. I'd love for us to be that church in this community. There's big churches and there's small churches. There aren't a whole lot of small churches that could be big but have chosen to be small because they keep moving themselves to a different location and continuing to grow more and more. Big church mentality but in a small setting. That's not being done a whole lot right now. People always ask, why do we need a new church in Sonoy? There's plenty of churches. There's not plenty of churches doing this method that gives somebody the small church setting but a very active approach in expanding the kingdom. Let's pray, and then I'll take any thoughts, questions you might have, but if you need to head out, you can head out as we pray. Father, I thank you, and I praise you for the work that you're doing in our church, and so I don't want to discount what you've done in these past four or five years. God, I am grateful and thankful for the slow process that we have approached in, in getting things in order, trying to do things right, not trying to rush the process from an arrogant standpoint. God, I'm thankful that you called me to, to help plant this church when I had no idea how to plant a church. And God, I'm thankful for the wisdom and the guidance that you have chosen to bless me with in, in figuring out how to plant a church. And God, I'm thankful for those that have uh, been so committed from the beginning. I'm thankful for those that have come in later in the process that are committed to what we're trying to do here. So God, I'm thankful for the growth and the, um, the increase that you've shown over these first four or five years. God, I'm thankful for the elders that you've raised up. I'm thankful for the deacons that you've raised up. I'm thankful for those that have been added to our church family. But Father, I'm praying for the next five years to be drastically different than these first five. God, we wanted the first uh, initial phases of our church to be a foundational laying experience. And God, as that foundation has now been laid, we want to be very active in moving forward to advance your kingdom. And so God, I'm praying that as a church family, we will be passionate about evangelism, passionate about sharing the gospel, the gospel that we've studied for 16 weeks in the book of Romans. God, I'm praying that those seeds would go out and that the return would be plentiful, that you would send people to our church, not to grow our church in the status of this community, but to give us resources, individuals that we need to move to different locations to continue to build your kingdom. God, I'm praying for elders that are not currently elders in our church right now, that you would raise those men up to be elders, that you would place that desire in their heart, that you would give them the passion to become that type of shepherd leader for our church. God, I'm praying for the deacons that are not currently deacons. That they would be passionate about serving in our church and taking on the responsibility of leading in the area of service within our church. God, I'm praying for individuals' hearts to be open to the idea of moving and planting a church in a different location. God, I'm praying for six to eight people that would feel compelled to move overseas. To replicate what's happening here. 
God, I know for that to happen, it's got to start happening here. That we can't send people to disciple overseas if it's not being done here. So God, I pray that we would embrace these goals. That we would rally around these goals. That we would be the wise man in Proverbs to recognize from a critical standpoint, we've got to make changes if this is going to happen. God, help us to receive the criticism that we see from a wisdom aspect and not from a scoffing aspect. God, I pray that you'd be glorified in this church. And if these plans are not what you have in store for Sovereign Hope, God, I pray that in striving for these goals, the goals that you have for our church would be Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.